Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Deplorable Nation. Today, I have a lovely, beautiful returning guest. I adore him. We chit-chat daily. My dear friend, Amit from the Hockett Podcast. How are you, love? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for bringing me on your show. Absolutely. I'm super tickled that you are back with me today. And you are celebrating a milestone today, my dear. So celebration, fireworks, and all the above to your one-year anniversary. How's it feel? It's been a tough, tough journey in podcasting, and I'm not going to lie. It's been a growth for me. When I first started out, I noticed I sounded really bad, but then slowly I started to improve. I got confidence in talking to people, which before, if you knew me before that, I was the most quietest and closed person that you have ever met. I was going to say, you're you're such a shy person. Um, and so to see, like, personally, just your growth over the past year has been super duper impressive. So how do you... How do you feel about being uh, more open and stuff now? It's been actually easier to talk to guests. It's I don't really like talking to my guests that much. I like them to talk because I like interrupting the conversation that me, it, him and I are talking about because then I throw the conversation off. Mm-hmm. So I let them talk and then I input my own thoughts in between. So your shows are a lot longer now than what they were when you first started out too. Yes, they are. They're about an hour and a half to two hours. And yeah. fun fact, the one I did with Ron from the Wicked Planet got me a warning strike on my YouTube account today. <laughs> Yay, join the club. <laughs> that is why I don't put anything on YouTube because um, I knew better with the stuff that I cover most of the time. I knew that they would take me down instantaneously so (laughs) kudos to you though for getting that first strike (laughs) yeah i'm happy and i'm proud it feels like i'm I'm part of a i'm proud of myself that i did that and i now i notice how much youtube fucks people over right even small accounts they're more focused they're more focused on oh let's have spam videos and inappropriate content that people will consume and we'll get the money from Mm -hmm. the uh, from the ads we throw on each video right and you know it's kind of funny with um like uh google and and uh facebook and all those people that testify in front of congress all the time that are like oh we don't censor speech and then you know like everybody that we know in the community has had strikes or been removed permanently or banned permanently or you know whatever But then it's okay to like have, you know, videos of people raping children or or whatever. And that's okay because by golly, that does not go against their standards by any means. But if you say the word vaccinated or anything like that, you are literally the devil. (laughs) Speaking of videos, uh, Sam Tripley... uh the guy from Randy from the sound promotions thing he does mm-hmm. for yeah sound wave promotions yeah he did a video about a topic that one the guest he had I don't remember what it was about he was saying that how they have nude yoga and I looked that up and they actually do mm-hmm. you look up that uh, topic it brings up videos and then it brings up very inappropriate videos after that which mm-hmm. kids are consuming right 
Yeah. And it's okay to have things like that or, you know, live streaming murders. Like we had that happen here in Memphis uh, a couple of weeks ago where uh, there was a guy going on a murder rampage in downtown Memphis and, and he was live streaming the whole thing and, <clears throat> and they left that content up and that is okay. But don't say anything against what their political ideology is because that is ban worthy, but you can commit all the rape or murder or, you know, arson or, or whatever the hell you want to stream on these platforms. Those are okay. Double That's standards. Crazy. Yeah, it is. I have, I'm just a small account. I was barely getting started and now I have this warning, which truthfully, I don't really care. I don't really like YouTube anymore. I never did. It was mm -hmm. just an experiment I was trying to do, see right. how much I can grow. And honestly, if you're not popular and you don't know the right people, YouTube is very hard to grow. On. Right, right. Absolutely. And there's a lot of content creators, I think, that will tell you the exact same thing. Um, and that's the thing in our community is, you know, we're all supposed to be here to help each other, right? And to... Uh, help each other's shows grow and to, you know, share guests and, you know, whatever, which a lot of people are really good about, uh, like our very uh, tight knit community is, is excellent at those things. But then you get some of the bigger accounts and they do not care what you cover, who you are, what you talk about, anything like that. If you're not in their, uh, I'm going to call it the good old boys club, then you don't matter. And they don't want to help. Yeah, so. I, I, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I feel like that sometimes. Yeah. I feel like I'm the outside trying to get in, but then again, I don't want to really be in. So I just look in, through the window and see what stupid things they're doing. And right. Just laugh at them. Yeah. And I, I can tell you um, from my perspective being uh, that there aren't a whole lot of female content creators it is really difficult to be a female um, in this community and uh, reach people or to be taken seriously. You know, so it is what it is, but uh, that is not going to deter me from doing what I do. So how about you? Is it going to make any difference? Oh, absolutely not. I don't really give a shit for anyone. I do my own thing. <laughs> I don't care. I don't really give a shit for people's opinions either. I do my own thing. They like it. They don't. They can unsubscribe. I don't really care. I'm I the same. I want to grow my own brand. I don't care for whispers and all that shit. I'm the same. And uh, I think, uh, you know, like I said before, seeing your journey over the last year and how um, how much more of a conversationalist that you are. I, I give you like all the props in the world because it's really hard uh, being uh, a shy or sometimes people would say introverted to be able to number one, do what you're doing and number two, to have success at it. So congratulations again. I think that's fantastic, my dear. Thank you so much. You're so very welcome. So let me ask you this. Um, over your journey the last year, what are some things that you have learned from doing this? Well, the one thing I've learned from doing this was 
that editing stuff is not my number one thing at all. It's very hard to edit audio. Editing sucks ass. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and that is coming from uh, somebody who is not a fan of tech stuff. And so uh, for people who don't know and aren't aware of this, um, there are times where you have to edit out pieces of audio or pieces of video. If you, when you start doing video, you have to learn different editing software to be able to do everything that you want to do and then how to splice stuff together. And it is a giant pain in the ass, um, equalizing volume and, and the whole nine yards. And so, you know, I think some people have the misconception that when you record something that, that you're just done, you know, and, and you put it out and everything's hunky dory. <clears throat> that is not the case. <laughs> I mean, I personally don't like editing a lot of my conversations. I like right. to keep it law of raw. Right. Then the people think that I'm censoring them on my podcast. I don't censor anyone. You can talk same. about anything you want. Yep. Same. It's just those, um, those times where like uh, somebody's video goes out or their audio goes out or whatever. And it's like they disappear and, and you're like talking and they're not there. So like having to cut out those little pieces or, you know, like some a train goes through or, or whatever. And then you can't hear for like 45 minutes. That's a problem. <laughs> What has uh, been, before you go on, what has been the hardest part about video video editing for you? Oh, my Lord. Uh, it is so complex. Um, and, and thank God I got some help uh, from Sergeant and Samurai podcast. They, they helped me out because um, it is a lot. And, you know, in this, in this software, it's got like, you know, where you can s splice videos together, or separate them or make clips or you know, whatever, but just basically having to, or being able to use the tools to do what you need to do. And I was even like, like binge watching YouTube videos on like how to do this. And I'm like, I don't get it. I'm like, I don't know why it's not sinking in. Maybe I've got like a mental block up or something that's like, okay, you're not going to pay any attention to this. But I would watch them like repeatedly and I'm like, I still don't get it. And even my husband was like, I hope you figure this out soon because you're not very nice when you try to learn technology. <laughs> and I'm like, amen to that, right? Because I don't feel like myself because, oh my God, it made me so angry and just so frustrated all the time. And I'm like... And then I think I'd have it down and I'd go to do it and then it wouldn't work right. Well, then you have to figure out like how to download properly and, and what to download it as because it adds all these extra, uh, I call them garbage files to your thing. And so like usually when you should, when you do a show, it should be like, um, 1.7, you know, uh, gigabytes or whatever it is. Um, but I didn't know that at first. And so when I first started doing it, I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is taking like 
14 hours to upload. Like, what the hell is going on with this? And it would be like, I don't know, two terabytes of data or something that would come up. And I'm like, my show wasn't that long. What the hell is all this? And it's all the trash files that it puts in with it that you don't even know what they are. Yeah. So I had to learn that too, the hard way, multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> repeat, rinse, repeat, and do it again. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that is not a fun thing. So what else have you learned besides uh, how how fun, wink, wink, um, the uh, editing softwares are? <laughs> uh, talking, like just talking in like with a microphone. It's been mm -hmm. very hard for me to do that. I'm slowly getting there. Because mm -hmm. I don't really use a microphone when I'm recording with a guest. It's usually like my Logitech camera or a MacBook mm -hmm. camera microphone. So I was like, today I'll go on Janet's show and do use a microphone to talk. Well, look at you and see, we have the same microphone. Studio quality right here. This is what the musicians use. So, you know, I think that's a good thing, though. The, your progression has, has been fantastic. So I am excited for you also because I saw that you have a store open now. Yes, I do. Did that just happen? Yes, it happened a few hours ago. Oh, look at you. See? Look at that. That's impressive right before you come on my show. So um, we'll tell everybody, and I'll put that in the show notes as well, where they can find that at. So I do want to talk to you about something today that we kind of had a little brief chit-chat about this morning. Um, and and some people may have seen it. Some people probably have not heard of this by the time uh, this this episode comes out. But lo and behold... You know, we have all these um, disaster uh, emergency preparedness drills going on and, and all that garbage here lately. Uh, New York has been under, a, you know, like multiple times talking about nuclear warnings and whatnot. So the government yesterday, the HHS, uh, puts out a memorandum stating that they were buying... $290 million of a drug that's used for radiological or nuclear poisoning. Now, what the hell do you think they're planning for? I think they're going to plan for a nuclear attack. Do you probably think be, it's probably going to be water-based attack. Well, and it wouldn't surprise me, uh, especially after the uh, blowing up of the oil pipelines, you know, that, that happened recently. Um, and miraculously enough, when that happened, uh, there were nuclear subs in the area doing exercises, winkety-wink, uh, before that happened, you know, Um but this whole thing is, number one, not surprising to me that they're doing this. Um, kind of like, you know, they were preparing for uh, an outbreak of hemorrhagic fever, which is a form of e Ebola. Um, and so the government, you know, had this giant plan for medications for that and stuff, which... 
in all honesty, they do do preparedness like that for disaster, especially in the world that we live in now. Um, <clears throat> think of the coronavirus, uh, where everything is biologically manufactured and mutated and, you know, all of the gain of function research and, and stuff like that that's going on. Um, so it's commonplace for the government to, you know, have stockpiles of stuff. And and even like uh, during the whole COVID thing, you know, where they have stockpiles of ventilators and respirators and, and whatever for any kind of natural disaster, emergency, whatever. However, um, I find the timing of the suspicious with all of the drills and emergencies that have been going on and uh with all the crap that we know about um the world economic forum and and that their next big thing is going to be like an attack on our uh power grid basically um so i i kind of like mm, feel a little wishy-washy about this thing going on because if you look into this company, this company is called Amgen. Um, and over, it's been, it's been like 42 years now since they uh, started this company. But it does a lot of, it is like the, the largest uh, biotechnology pharma company, period. Based in California, of course. Um and this particular company has all kinds of drugs that are already on the market. Um, and one of their big ones uh, that, you know, is is a more recent thing is Amavig. And which is, a which is a blood, isn't a blood, isn't a blood clot, blood clotting medicine? Ama, Amavig is actually for people with migraines. Um, but they... Oh. They have Embril and stuff like that, which, you know, are also very, like, big drugs that, you know, uh, they're biologicals that they have been on the market for, for quite a while now. But Amavig is the, is the newer one. Yeah, because the article you sent me said that they also uh, created a um, uh, blood, clotting, blood clotting medication for pediatric um, patients that suffer from, I don't remember what the, what the, what the mm -hmm. disease was. Yep. And, and a lot of the stuff that they have are for, um, people that are immunocompromised from, from radiation and chemotherapy, um, which we already know are toxic and poisonous. And so then we're giving them toxic and poisonous medications on top of it. Um, but I find it highly interesting because, um, like I said, this company has been around for like 42 years now. They have uh, all kinds of stuff for rheumatoid arthritis and, you know, clotting diseases and immunosuppressants and, you know, whatever. However, this medication um, that the government is buying is called N-plate, the letter N and plate. Um, it's a powder uh, that you, you know, use like sterile saline or something like that to reconstitute so it's an injectable each dose get this is around 1195 dollars a dose okay 
if you look up their their treatment thing, this is to be given every week. Okay. So $55,250 a year for this injectable. Because you have to do it for so many weeks. That's a hell of a lot of money. How many people do you know that have the money uh, to go in and pay $1,195 each week for an injection? Our politicians. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Big tech people. Uh-huh. Hey, maybe if they just only poison like the uh, tech companies and stuff, like Google employees. Sorry, I'm not inciting violence. <laughs> I just, that was funny to me at the time. It popped into my head. So, sorry about that, Google employees. You're perfectly fine in my book. <laughs> Hi. Um, anyway, yeah. So, uh, if you if you look into this medication, um, not only is it ungodly expensive, but um, what this medication does, it was originally developed to treat what's called the ITP. Um which is idiopathic thrombocytopenic purpura. And what that means is that, that patients don't have the ability to create enough platelets. Um, and so they, they bruise easily and stuff because the, uh, the blood stays under the skin. Um, and so like you, you get this purplish rash and you know, whatever, it looks really funny. So in this, what this medication does it changes your bone marrow because your bone marrow is where you produce um, your your white cells, your red cells, and then, you know, the aggregates of that. And so it changes your blood marrow so or your bone marrow so that makes you rapidly produce platelets. Now, here's the thing. If your body is flooded... Uh, with with platelets, like in a super duper fast problem, okay, or, or super duper manner, super rapid, um, that is going to cause massive clotting, like all over your body. So then if you look up <laughs> the side effects of this, okay, this is fantastic, everybody. Uh, run out and, and get your get you some injections, okay? The very first side effect is death. <laughs> Sounds like something I want to take, huh? Um, joint and extremity discomfort. That is because you're cutting off blood supply, which is pinching your nerves as well. So you won't be able to function or move. You're also going to not be able to sleep at all because you have so many platelets floating around in your bloodstream that it shuts off the chemicals uh, that you release during sleep. So you won't be able to sleep anymore. Um, the blood clots. Uh, let's see. Uh, bone marrow fibrosis. So uh, your bone marrow is going to start uh, like calcifying and getting fibrous, uh, basically uh, tumors. Okay. Um, and so it says the latter of which is a result in an unsafe decrease in the blood, blood count. So 
You're also not going to be able to produce red blood cells at all. Red blood cells carry oxygen uh, to the rest of your body. So uh, you're just fucked. You're going to die like just die. I mean, that's the very first side effect is dying from this. Uh, great idea to give this everybody uh, when all you could do was just go out and, and get some iodine tablets because that would be a hell of a lot safer. Unless you're allergic to iodine and then that probably would not be a smart idea. So fantastic medication uh, that they want to uh, <laughs> have on hand for the American people. So if the radiation or nuclear fallout didn't kill you, the medication they will give you will kill you. So you'll be dead. Um, but this company, I find not only interesting um, that they're based in California, but also interesting that they are such a behemoth. Uh, they have been acquiring other pharmaceutical companies that do uh, bio technology type stuff or whatever so they've had well over five already just very very uh recently they're buying other people's drug lines the whole nine yards but but here's a wonderful thing uh in 2012 amgen um was indicted for illegal marketing practices uh in december 2012 uh, they pled guilty and agreed to pay $150 million in criminal penalties and $612 million to resolve the 11 related whistleblower complaints. So these are people in their own company that are like, the stuff we're doing is fucked up. Um, and so... They found during this uh, lawsuit that um, a lot of the medications that they were manufacturing were cytotoxic and deadly to patients. Hmm. Weird. Huh. I want to buy all my, I want to buy all my nuclear prep meds from them. <laughs> So get this, the following year after this giant lawsuit in 2013, lawmakers inserted text into the fiscal cliff bill. Um, so, you know, like uh, the budgetary crap that the, oh my God, if they don't sign it, like, oh, everybody's not going to get paid. Oh my God, the federal government employees won't get their money. Oh, and that suck. So they inserted text into the fiscal cliff bill that allows the drug maker to sell a certain class of drugs that includes uh, Sensipar without any government controls or regulations for an additional two years. Now, if you are just convicted and have to pay this massive, massive behemoth of a claim, um, for cytotoxic and deadly effects of your medication. Who the fuck are the senators that are putting the language in this bill and approving it 
that now this company doesn't have to abide by any kind of government uh, regulatory stuff and, and there's no oversight or, you know, watch on the shit that they're doing. Do you see a problem with that? I definitely do. Here's the problem. Half of those uh, senators and politicians probably pay these like drug companies under the table mm-hmm. to like hush hush of what they're doing. And they mm-hmm. probably tell them to change the language of the bill they're writing. So people don't know what the hell they're actually uh, actually doing. I mean, that's crazy. You have 11 whistleblowers from this corporation that came forward and were like, look, like, I'm going to divulge the information to you. Look, what's look what they're doing. Look what's going on. And these are shit that's in clinical trials still, kind of like the COVID vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they the year after. You know, they're fined for all this stuff and, and, you know, found guilty of, you know, neglect for patients and putting profit over patients and, and the whole nine yards. And then they, they're like, oh, it's okay, though. <laughs> I know we just paid like billions of dollars, but by golly, we're just going to look over here for a magical squirrel uh, while <laughs> while you guys just do... You know, whatever. Yeah, they and don't. So, they don't care. They're getting millions of dollars of people that uh, that fill their prescriptions from them. All they care about is the money, and ex- they have enough money to pay off their fines and lawsuits they get, and then make more money from that if they win. Well, you know the one thing that I did not look up, and I and I should have, um, because I remember that uh, Diane Feinstein got in trouble for not disclosing. Uh, stock purchases and i thought this was the company but it wasn't because i did look that up uh but i wonder how many senators own stock in this company and i guarantee i I, she i guarantee she has to because she's from california right Mm -hmm. um so I would, I would dearly love somebody that knows like where to find that shit to go look that up because I'll guarantee you that uh, a lot of people on in Congress have stocks in this. Uh, let's see. So during this uh, fl- fiscal cliff thing, whatever, it says that uh, they estimated that the part of this fiscal cliff bill that included Amgen and, and the, our ability to just look the other way while they're doing their dirty deeds was going to cost taxpayers $500 million. So let me get this straight. Not only is this company getting a break, from any kind of government regulations for two years, but they're taking taxpayer money to subsidize this ginormous pharma company. Red flags, anyone? Mm-hmm. I mean, red flags. Uh, $500 million of taxpayer money to fund the government looking the other way. That's a, seems like a really great use of uh american taxpayer funding doesn't it so 
that's not the end of things. Uh, in November of 2019, get this, this is my favorite part. Amgen awarded $2 million grant to the CDC. <clears throat> Weird, huh? <clears throat> and this uh, this deal uh, to buy the this in-plate drug from them has gone on, been in the works since 2019. Mm. At the same time that Amgen awarded the CDC a $2 million wink grant. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And it, and it was it was supposed to be for the empowered health program uh, that promotes patient engagement in their cancer making decisions. Yeah, I don't want to trust the government and healthcare providers. Oh, uh, fun fact. So I learned from my cardiologist uh, two days ago that some doctors who are very highly regarded are not doing consultations and they're paying about two to two thousand to three thousand to see a patient, and they're not taking insurance just to see them. And then when you're their patient, then they will probably re uh, reduce your uh, cost for like treatments that you want them to help you with. That's very interesting. Yeah, and see, my problem, and it has been for a long time in the healthcare industry. And if I could start my own. Uh, without the government regulation, you know, just practice like a private practice, I would completely do it. Um, because I never understood, like, especially with a specialist, like a cardiologist, um, your consultation with them is so flipping expensive, you know, just an initial office visit for some specialist you know, anywhere from $500 to $1,500 to walk in the door. That is without them even seeing you first. And then anything they do is extra on top of that. I would just love to start a place where, no, you having this problem, just come and talk to me and we'll figure stuff out. Like, I don't need to charge like a thousand dollars for you to look at me. That's dumb. If we did that, man, I'd have a lot of money, right? Don't don't look at me unless you pay me first. <laughs> <laughs> you should start doing that. I know, right? Next time anybody wants to come on the show, I'm gonna charge you a fee up front. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the costs are so, so crazy. And then, um, like one of the things I always told people, because I did chart audits for a really long time. Um, and I always tell people like, if you ever go like into the hospital for any reason, number one, always take your own meds with you. Um, number two, when you're discharged, oh, take your own Kleenexes, toothbrush, toothpaste, all that too. Um, because all of that stuff is a chargeable item. Mm, I did not know that. And you would not believe the markup on those things. Um, so anytime you're discharged, make sure you always get an itemized bill to go over how much shit is because 
um, like an aspirin, if you're given an aspirin in the hospital, you know, you can buy a whole bottle for what, a couple of bucks, um, an aspirin in the hospital, maybe $12 for one. That's a hell of a mm-hmm. lot of markup, right? Um, same thing with uh, Kleenex, toothbrush, like the Kleenexes that you get are, are single ply. They're real small box. And those were like 15 bucks. And I lived in a cheap state at the time. Um, when I was doing these audits, I was living in Indiana. And so, you know, they would order like cases of these Kleenexes and it would be like, I don't know, $85 for a case, but there's like 200 boxes in there or something, but you're paying 15 bucks for that box of Kleenexes. The toothbrush is like $6 for the cheapest one that you could literally get at the Dollar Tree for a buck. That's crazy. That's like a money laundering scheme. Yeah. And it's like your your meds too. Um, if you take your own meds, then of course they cannot charge you for those. Uh, but if you take you take uh their meds, of course there's a markup on those as well. Um, they charge you every item is chargeable. Okay. So uh if they have to bandage a dressing or anything like that, anything they use is chargeable. And so to me, like the entire healthcare system um, from start to finish is nothing but dollar signs and profit because you're talking uh, 500% markup on items in a lot of cases. That's a lot of markup. And then you wonder why, you know, like if you go to the emergency room, and in your bills, like $5,000 or more. Uh, and basically all they did was take your vital signs and your temperature and maybe run like a urine test or something, you know. And then on top of that, you have the charge for the lab, uh, a charge for pathology, a charge for, ra- for a radiologist to read, you know. And that's the thing I don't think a lot of people understand is when they go um, into the hospital for any reason, or even if you have a procedure done at the hospital, um, they charge you for the surgery room. Okay. They charge you for the anesthesiologist time. They charge you for the anesthesiology. Um, they, they literally charge for oxygen units uh, for everything. And, and that's so, it's become such a racket and so bloated and just overblown that it's crazy. Oh, don't speaking about charges. What about the doctors? Some of these doctors are kind of ridiculous also. Mm-hmm. And the nurses, mm-hmm. not all, not all of them. I've had some very nice nurses that w- at the time I spent in the hospital mm-hmm. and some doctors as well, but some of them were not that great. No. And that's, I have this discussion um, a lot and and this goes for I have this discussion with my daughter constantly because she's a social worker. Um, and so we talk about like people in our professions a lot and how people become so jaded in their work uh, that, number one, they're uh, angry, they're irritated, 
uh, or they're completely emotionless and they just do not care. Or they're completely unaware of what kind of new testing there are in the market. Mm -hmm. Like, for mm -hmm. example, sorry to cut you off. So I, I asked my cardiologist on Monday. Oh, no, my sister asked the cardiologist, if you know about this diabetes test, which you can do, it checks some markers. He had no idea. And my sister asked my mom's other doctor. She sees, I don't know what practice that is. And she didn't know either. Well, and it doesn't surprise me, okay? Um, and I talk about this a lot where you're only as educated as you allow yourself to be. Um, and so a lot of the doctors, of course, have been, uh, you know, in, in healthcare for a really long time and they're very old school in their ways, um, you know, and, and so new things that come out, either they don't know about it or they feel it's unnecessary. So it, it depends. A lot of the nurses are the exact same way where they don't take time to educate themselves or, you know, to know about things that are current or happening or going on or, you know, that there's new testing or, or you know, whatever the case may be. Um, now, I will say this. For uh, people who have and struggle with diabetes, and... <laughs> I'm glad I'm not on YouTube because they would remove me for this. Um, it is a result of inflammation in your body. Okay. From the foods that you eat. And so the more sugar intake that you have, uh, the more inflammation that you have in your body, the more uh, apt you are to have yeast inside your body. It doesn't mean... Uh, just for females. I mean, you can have yeast anywhere in your body. You can have it in your, in your sinus cavity, in your nasal passages, um, roaming around in your gut. Uh, a lot of people don't know they have it. One, one sure sign <clears throat> for people to know if they have a sugar problem is the coating on your tongue. Isn't if, it if it's white? If you have a really thick uh, white coating on your tongue, you have a sugar problem um, or a yeast problem uh, that's caused from from a overabundance of sugar in your body. But it is it is from inflammation from the foods that we eat, um, which cause you know free radicals and you know damage of cells and all of that stuff, and and it causes your body to uh, inflame, and then it can't process sugars in the natural way. And so, uh, tip for people, stay away from processed crap. Uh, don't buy a bunch of shit from the store that's in a bag or a can. There is zero nutritional value, uh, but you are adding to the inflammation because of all of the chemicals that they use in processing. So don't do that. Anyways, so what's, do you remember what the test was? Oh, I don't remember the test on top of my head. I have to, I have to tell you that later after we get off. That's all right. Not a problem. Yeah. So what, uh, like you and I talk about this all the time, um, as far as uh, doctors go, um, 
and how like you just want to shake your head when you go sometimes and be like, dude, are you really a doctor? So do you, do you have any stories that you can tell people about any of your recent visits that would give them an indication of what we're talking about? Okay, so for example, uh, back in August of this year, I had an appointment with my uh, nephrology. He was nice and all, but the thing I noticed while I was talking to him, he was getting distracted by his phone and looking at the computer too much because this was done like via telehealth, which is mm-hmm. probably the dumbest thing they could have invented. Mm-hmm. That's the horrible thing. Well, it's because everybody's so contagious. <laughs> okay. Bullshit. <laughs> uh, okay, someone who has a autoimmune disorder and kidney transplant, and, uh, and colitis. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten sick in the last two years, and I just had a doctor come for my vet at the house yesterday, and I didn't get anything today, and today I'm fine. And mm-hmm. I went to a concert, like, last two week, two weekends ago. Yeah. And so um, that begs the question, right? Uh, we always talk about germ theory versus terrain theory. Um, so... In those situations, you would be considered an immunocompromised person uh, because of the uh, drugs that you take, um, status post-transplant. So uh, if the world was full of viruses and bacteria, you would be sick a lot. Mm -hmm. Which I'm not because I'm very strict at what I eat Mm -hmm. and I take care of myself. Right. And I used to get lectured a lot by my pediatric doctors back when I was young to lose weight because at at that time I was like, I don't know how big I was, but around high school time, I was like 182 Mm -hmm. and now I'm down to like 160. That's also another reason why I lost weight because I got diagnosed colitis and that kind of messed up my GI tract. So Mm -hmm. with all that happening, you lose weight, but now I'm at a good stable weight after changing my diet and eating cutting out the sugar, which I try, I still eat it, but I try to like eat a le- less of it. Right. And that's the thing. Um, it's not uh, at all feasible for people to cut out every bit of sugar from their life. And it is okay um, to still have sugar as long as you do it sparingly. Um, because there are some people, you know, and I used to be one of those people a long, long time ago because I worked such crappy hours and stuff. And so uh, at the time I was, you know, young and stupid. Um, and it was like I would have nothing but Mountain Dew. You know, I'd get up, I'd slam two Mountain Dews before I went to work thinking that that was going to help me have energy for the day. Um, And so a lot of people do those things or they put a ton of sugar in coffee or, you know, eat sweets all the time or or whatever. Um, It's okay to still have that as long as you limit that um, in moderation. Don't drink pop. (laughs) I used to drink a lot of Coke and Sprite, but in the last few years, I cut it completely out Mm -hmm. until I know, until I learned by myself what kind of crap that's in the, in their stuff. Right. And there are um, alternatives out there as far as, you know, if you're one of those people that look, what are you shaking your head at? No, those alternative uh, pop things are not good. If you're going to talk about like um, sparkling water. No, no. 
Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. No, no, there, there are actually um, like healthy options as far as pop goes. Uh, a lot of times you have to order them unless you have like a health food store or something that close to you. Um, but they, they use stevia in them. Yeah, that's not good either. Well, depends, <laughs> right? It, right. It depends on the monster. Um, but there, there are definitely like sugar alternatives and stuff like that. Like I don't use white sugar like ever. We don't, we don't have white sugar either. We usually have brown sugar or cane sugar mm-hmm. or this other sugar called jaggery. It's from India. It's called, I think it's cane sugar also. That's what we use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's um, like, I do a lot of baking and stuff. You know that because I'm always telling you like what I'm making. Um, but I, lo- I do a lot of, uh, the cane sugar, um, no calorie sweetener sugar. I don't like stevia. I think it tastes terrible anyway. Um, but I use, uh, beetroot sugar. I use coconut sugar a lot, things like that. Um, which are sugar alternatives. I also like to use molasses. I think molasses is tasty. Not just to eat on its own, but to put in stuff. It's really good. So, yeah. There's ways to uh, limit and control what you do. Eliminating, um, like, uh, white flour that's bleached. Um, Go for the unbleached flour if you have to use white flour. Um, Or I like uh, dark rye flour and wheat flour. And so a lot of things that I make have those in it. Now they, it does have a little bit different taste. Um, and that's where, you know, like molasses or Manuka honey or things like that come in to, to sweeten that up a little bit because it is a little bit more bitter. So I don't know. So how hard was it to you, uh, for you to change like your diet around Oh, not that hard. I'm very strict to what I eat because if I eat anything wrong, then I break out on my face and then my whole stomach gets all messed up and I have like flare ups and stuff. And then you're like pooping everywhere. Eh, not pooping. I usually farting have, everywhere. Yeah, farting. Gas. <laughs> Farts are funny. I don't care who you are. <laughs> have you ever in your life known somebody? That cannot burp. No. Everybody know can burp. It is the weirdest thing to me. Um, you know, we all have our our quirky traits. Uh see, awesome. I give that a four though. It wasn't you didn't like it. I was trying to control it. <laughs> Next time just go blah. So um my husband and several of his family members cannot burp i had never heard of that before i'm like what in the hell now he can fart like a motorboat (laughs) literally literally so much that he does not even realize that he farted and like every once in a while i'll be like well that was a good one he's like what and i'm like the fart you just let and he's like does it so much he doesn't even realize but yeah like like four members of his family have no ability to burp. Have you ever known anybody like that in your life? 
My mom doesn't really burp, or my dad. But me and my sister do. Now I can I can burp the alphabet. Absolutely. I'm not I fart sometimes, but not much. But I do burp pretty good burps. I can I can do with the best of them. Um I can say sentences too while I'm burping. Which I find him find impressive and then I pat myself on the back for doing such a darn good job. <laughs> We're so not right. <laughs> We're not, no. But you know, on the on the line of weird things, like I get sun sneezes all the time. And my husband is like, what? Of course, he grew up in a state where it was like sunny all the time and he was always out in the sun and he had never heard of that before. And me, literally, every time I go out in the sun, I will sneeze like crazy. And then I get it all out of my system and it's done. But yeah, initial reaction to sun is a sneeze. I sneeze after I get out of the shower for some reason. And I've noticed that the last few times. Can't you just sneeze in the shower and that way if like your congested snot comes out, at least it'll be in the shower? No, it go comes, down the drain. As soon as I exit the shower door, it comes out for some reason. <laughs> and I notice that a lot. You're like, I'm coming out now. <laughs> I love that though. Everybody has such different uh different things about them, which makes us also you know, uniquely awesome, I would say. So, oh, sorry, I gotta get a drink. That made me have to sneezy. Oh, mm. sorry about that. So, what do you, um, what do you hope to accomplish, uh, in the years to come with your show? I hope to bring on like more guests. I have some guests in mind that I look not really looked up to, but I like like music wise. There's mm-hmm. a, a group called AFI, the lead singer DB Havoc. I would love to bring him on and talk to him because when he's on interviews on radio shows, he's very knowledgeable on his craft and like mm-hmm. music in general. So I like to sit down with him and ask him how he came up with all of his tracks, what how and the lyrics. So my goal is to like do more interviews with artists. So like more of the music, music type stuff. Yeah, because I'm into I'm into music. I like yeah. listening to metal music, like you know. Yeah. The rock. Oh yeah. Yeah, you and I are the same in that aspect. Um, we. I do... know. I know you don't listen to it that much anymore, but I still do. But it's you know... very. It's like I listen to more like like AFI is like punk rock mm-hmm. and like. His other group called Black Audio, he does like electronic music. So I listen to that. That's mm-hmm. not like like Satanist type of music. It's yeah. more dancing music. I think the reason um, of kind of like evolving in my taste is because uh, like we spent ooh, all the years that we've been together. Um, that was our quote vacations <laughs> per se uh which was only like a day or two at a time right um and we would d- just travel around and go to metal shows festivals concerts uh we were in the local scene for a, a long time and so 
uh, local bands and uh, nationally touring bands and whatnot, and and the um, <laughs> super loud music that uh, like hurts your ears afterwards, and you feel like your ears are throbbing when you leave. Yeah. Um, so we did that for a really, really long time. Um, and I think now I I'm kind of mellowing out. <laughs> I still like it and we still listen to stuff like, uh, you know, Machine Head just released a new album recently. And so, uh, we've listened to that and whatever. We still, we still listen to it just not as loud and not as often. <laughs> Same with me. The only time I listen to metal music is when I'm working on and that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's good workout music though because it, it gets your adrenaline going and then you're like, I can lift a thousand pounds. That's definitely me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and see, like I'll do that stuff uh, like when I'm on my walk every day. Um, uh, I always have to listen to music when I'm when I'm walking. I can listen to a podcast, but then I feel kind of like I'm not, like I don't pay attention. Well, that's definitely stuff. me. And also, that's same with me when I listen to audiobooks. I cannot do, do audiobooks. Yeah, I tried listening to this like economic, economic based book. I listened to a few like until like chapter three, and then I couldn't do it anymore because I was getting distracted. And then, and then you find yourself like drooling, slobbering down the side of your face and uh, like zombie look. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, another thing is why I can't do that because I just adopted a cat a month ago. So I've been busy with him and mm -hmm. trying to watch out what naughty things he's going to be doing. It's so funny that you said that because um, I hung up with my daughter right before you came on here. She just got a new... Uh, little cat not too long ago and uh she has a good cat and a bad cat kind of like we do um and so she's like i just i don't know how it happened uh but somehow he got into shampoo and he has shampoo all over his tail and there's like bubbles and whatever and she's like I'm trying to clean him off, but I'm here alone and he hates water. And so she's trying to clean this off his tail. She can't hold him good enough to like, you know, soak the stuff off his tail and whatever. And I'm like, let me guess. This is the bad cat. <laughs> <laughs> well, what my cat does, he jumps. We have this like railing thing for like, because we had a dog before and to keep him away from like when people work we had like a doggy door type thing so we kept it for the cat but not the new thing he's doing since like last week is jumping over it and going into the, ki the kitchen we don't want him to go in the kitchen because we got two doors in the house and any doors that are open he can just like run off and then we have like a like a gas in the middle of the kitchen and we're kind of afraid that he's gonna like burn his like tail uh, and stuff yes we had uh our our bad cat um, always likes to be wherever I am. And so, uh, like, he burnt himself because we have a cooktop stove. And, you know, usually when I use it, I leave a pan on it, even after I turn it off, you know, so it he won't step on the burner. 
Um, but I literally turned around for two seconds to like dump something I was cooking into a strainer. And at, in that time he got up there and whatever, like you would think he would be able to feel the heat coming from the burner before he got on it. But yeah, no. Okay. Aren't cats used to the heat anyways? Like they like their body temperature to be like high. Well, yes. Uh, our cats uh, have what are called cat caves. Um, and so they have to have, uh, basically a cave or a tent, uh, made for them and separate by golly, they can't sleep together in a cave, um, but on the couch. And so you have to make like a, like a fort or a cave out of a blanket and then they'll get under there and sleep. Um, so yeah, ours are, are pampered in that aspect. But yeah, we definitely have um, a good versus evil. Um, we have a cat that is a Bengal, and he is the problem child of the family. Uh, he will just randomly walk around and chew on the handles from the cabinets or drawers and um, he chews on uh, soap dispenser pumps, uh, literally tears stuff up. Uh, he's torn the hell out of a chair of mine. Um, but he's also very sweet and loving. He's just very mischievous. Uh, but he definitely lives up to his Bengal name uh, because they're known troublemakers. Uh, so he's like um, requires some sp- special i feel like i'm a special needs cat parent and i know no offense to anybody with special needs kids but you know what i'm saying where you constantly like i constantly have to watch him that's same with us the new thing he uh, what he likes to do i have a tabby tabby cat Mm-hmm. So what he likes to do is he likes to like chew the sides of cardboard boxes. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And he likes to like, he's not really like, he doesn't like to like bite things. That's a good thing because we have a lot of wires in our house. Mm-hmm. Oh, wires. he, he has eaten a lot of uh, phone chargers, computer chargers, and oh, yeah. then the wire coming out in his poop. That's fun. Yeah. Unfortunately, he does do all that. Thank God. But we're worried about is when he comes in the kitchen and my let's say my dad comes to work and he opens his door and we have like a gate that he can that dad comes in from he could just run out he could just run out generally in the backyard because that backyard's very big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, and um, he's just one of those uh, where like I constantly have to follow him around, and if he gets uh, upset because I'm not paying attention to him. He will throw up. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, it's like a, and there's nothing wrong with him. So I don't want people to think I'm not taking care of my animal. But he's so emotionally attached to me that, like, if I am not paying attention to him at all times, he gets mad and he will barf. That's like right in front of me. And he'll be like, bah! what? My cat doesn't do that. But what he does is, let's say, in the house, we have a living room, and then we have a kitchen in the other side of the house. Like I said, the gated fence. When we're in the kitchen, he'll jump over. That's the new thing he's done. He's jumped over and was coming towards us. I read that cats don't like to be in a enclosed space with the door closed. They like to be roaming True. around. Yeah. 
Yeah, they hate that. Now, uh, the other cat that we have, the good cat, um, he is uh, fat and fluffy. He's a long-haired uh, Persian, and he looks like a Thanksgiving turkey. Um, he has been that way ever since we got him uh, fixed. Uh, and he's not lazy. I mean, he likes to play and, and stuff like that. But he is so calm and so chill and you can like, you know, rub his tummy or, you know, whatever. And and he's such a sweetheart. Uh, it's just the other one that, oh, my goodness. They have very different personalities. Um, and and I kind of think uh, that Snickers are Bengal. And I call him Snickers because... Um, his face it looks like he's always, <laughs> he looks like the Joker, honestly. But that's why we called him Snickers, because he always looks like he's snickering at something. Um, but he is such a unique personality, like his toys that are mice. Um, every day he will take them. And he will soak them in the water dish so that he can, first off, pull the ears off. Um, and then he eats the tail, I guess, because we've never figured out if he, when he tears them off, where he puts them. So he must eat them. Um, and so uh, then he will put it in his wet food or his dry food, I mean a sopping wet mouse in his dry food so he can get it soft enough because he likes to eat it when it's softer. Cause he doesn't yeah. like, he likes dry food, but he doesn't like it super crunchy. Mm. <laughs> Cats are weird. Yep. 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 And they're, they're just like people. I mean, they have very different uh, personalities and I know we talked about a lot of this uh, before you got, Mr. Harold. Um, but they're just so uh, uniquely different in everything that they do and every way that they are. I had um, a cat a long time ago when, when my daughter was little. That cat was an absolute psychopath. Um, I would come home from working a late shift at the hospital and I would open the front door and the cat would be up on the curtain rod at the closest window by the door. And it would just jump all fours and like hang in my clothes mm. and then like all the way down and let itself down to the floor. Just crazy, crazy cat. Uh, constantly like, uh, I don't know, tearing stuff up and ransacking the house and tearing holes in the food containers. That sounds and, like a raccoon. Yeah. And it was like a raccoon, a hundred percent. Oh, speaking of raccoon, um, I got a funny, uh, funny nursing story. Okay. It involves a raccoon. Um, so I was at work one day and this is when I was working, um, at the teaching facility, teaching hospital facility. And so anyway, uh, this patient comes in and just absolutely like bloodied from head to toe, 
look like somebody had tried to run him through uh, like a massive cheese grater, paper shredder, something. I'm like, what in the hell happened to you? I'm like, did you get in a fight or something? He's like, no, dude. He's like, you know what happened? I got so high last night. I was stoned. And he's like, this raccoon came up. And I was like, hey, little dude. Like, I want to be your friend. And he's tried to pet it. Raccoons have really big claws and very nasty teeth. And so this raccoon shredded this dude. I mean, I told him, I said, it looks like a whole family of raccoons shredded you but the guy was so high he's like i thought he was playing and he just kept whatever and he couldn't defend himself from this raccoon and just it tore him up like a paper shredder <laughs> note to audience do not try to put a raccoon that is wild <laughs> I know some people put use raccoon as pets, um, and those are okay because that's a little tamer. But yeah, one in the wild that's looking for your garbage, probably not a great idea. Yeah. So anyways. So my dear, um, with the craziness in the world that is going on and all the things that... Uh, happening and and seem to be uh we seem to be kind of going off of a cliff what is your message to people my message to people is please wake the fuck up and question things now now everything that the media is saying and what we've been saying since like two years ago it's finally coming true to mm -hmm. stop like listening to these like uh blue checkmark idiots on twitter who probably don't know what the hell they're saying and half of them probably are not even writing the things they're saying on there and do your own research. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, or getting paid by the government uh, as we, as we know, that's been disclosed that, you know, we're using TikTok stars and social influencers to, uh, you know, oh God, further, don't, don't even start me with that. Further that's, our that's propaganda. Well, you know, I am a nurse, so I did think about starting a TikTok just so I could start twerking on there to get my message out. I'll twerk and tell you some truth bombs at the same time, by golly. You don't want to see my butt. I'm sorry, you don't. I could twerk, but I would look like uh, a retarded squirrel, so not going to happen. Yeah. But that's always a good idea, you know, for anybody that's listening that uh, is looking for a new line of work, twerk and tell truth bombs because somebody will watch it and somebody probably pay for it. Mm -hmm. So anyway, yeah. So, uh, my dear, any final thoughts for today? Uh, no, I don't have any final thoughts. I'd just like to say thank you so much for having me on your show again. I appreciate you coming on. And uh, like I said, I'm very proud of you for your one year anniversary. Congratulations. Congratulations on your merch store and everything that you plan on doing in the future. Uh, you're a wonderful person. And I'm super glad that you've come out of your shell. 
Thank you so much. So where can people find you at, my dear? Uh, you guys can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Hawk underscore it underscore podcast. YouTube for now until I get banned on there. Hawk dash it podcast. And you can buy my merchandise on Hawk dash it store. Or that's on Bonfire. It'll be on the show notes because spelling it out is going to be kind of like hard for people <laughs> to type on the computer. Uh, you can find my podcast on all podcasting platforms. Spelling is hard, period. <laughs> <laughs> but at least it's easier than video and audio editing. Uh-huh. So, hey, that's a bonus and a half. So, my dear, I love you dearly. Thank you so much for joining me. It was an honor and a pleasure to have you on again. And thank you. And congratulations again. Thank you. So for me and for my lovely darling friend, we will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good day.